Hi, this is Brian Colon, the game designer who helped create games like Rampage and Arch Rivals and Xenophobe and Pigskin and many other early, what are sometimes called classic games. And you are listening to Atari Bytes. Welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill. This is episode 118. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody. Spring has finally sprung, at least where I live. It's been sunny the last couple of days. Well, yesterday was kind of overcast as I'm recording this on a Sunday, but today was bright and sunny and warm and... My nose won't stop running. Um, how's that for, you know, too much information for you? The pollen is high, and I'm not, basically. So I am grumpy about the uh, whole springtime sinus thing. But that's all right. I will power through because I have to spend less time shoveling and more time talking to you people on this podcast. So let's get to it. As has become our tradition here on Atari Bytes, I'm going to start off the show with a thing that has absolutely nothing to do with video games. Uh, Let's check in with our friend, Mad Mike Hughes. For those of you who don't know by now, because I know since Midwest Gaming Classic, I may have some new listeners. Mad Mike is a limo driver somewhere in California who is also uh, a hobbyist who builds rockets. And he has built a rocket with the intent of launching himself, he says, into space to get a better view of the Earth and snap some photos to prove, once and for all, that science has been lying to us and the uh, world is indeed flat. He did a launch in March that was filmed by a thing called Noise TV. The little bit of the video that I saw, basically Noise TV pointed a camera where the rocket was, the rocket took off, and then you don't see anything after that. Evidently, the rocket crashed. Mad Mike got injured, but he's okay. Um, But the rocket was pretty busted up. He had to order some new parts. Didn't get any photos. He said he went up about 1,800 feet, which someone on Facebook pointed out that you really couldn't see much from that height to prove one way or the other whether the Earth is flat. Since then, it's been pretty quiet. He's posted a couple of things for sale, including the shirt that he was wearing during the launch and pieces of the rocket and that kind of thing. On April 19th, He posted a uh, picture of the rocket with the uh, parachute coming out of it. Picture which is for sale uh, with his signature, 6x6 inch piece of parachute. Oh, okay. So you get a signed photo of the rocket with the parachute. You get a piece of the parachute for 15 bucks plus shipping. That is the most recent thing that he has posted on his Facebook page. So he spends a lot of time posting things for sale. Not so much time telling us when he's going to launch this rocket again. So all you people worried about falling off the edge of the earth into the gaping maw of the dragons that live there, uh, you're okay for a little longer uh, because he has not shown us 
he has not revealed the dragons at the edge of the earth yet. Just give him time, once he's collected enough cash. Alright, thus concludes our Mad Mike Hughes update for this week. What else is going on? The Rampage movies in theaters. More on that in a moment. First, a couple other things uh, I noticed. I saw an article, speaking of Atari movies, Atari-related movies, I saw an article in Variety. These guys are trying to make a Nolan Bushnell movie. And they're trying to raise money to do this, not with traditional film financing procedures. They are offering cryptocurrency for sale. I really don't know anything about cryptocurrency, but I'm just looking at this article. They are using a blockchain-powered initial coin offering, selling a coin named after Nolan Bushnell, Atari founder, uh, via a private pre-sale in the spring. Vision Tree is the production company that's trying to make this movie, hoping to raise as much as $40 million by selling these tokens. They claim that the film has gotten offers from you know more conventional sources of movie financing, but they've chosen to do this cryptocurrency funding instead because they think it will speed up the time frame. Offering Atari fans the opportunity to share the creation of this movie with us, producer J.D. Serafine uh, apparently said in a quote in this Variety article. If you buy some of these Bushnell tokens, you get a share of the earnings of the movie, supposedly. And you also get to vote on the trailer and help select the cast. Quote, we wanted to enable Atari fans and gamers to co-own the project and the experience. This open approach is also more in the DNA and the same spirit of Atari. These guys aren't the only one. There's uh, some people making a movie called No Postage Necessary, which is also doing this blockchain approach. Evidently, the Atari movie is currently in pre-production and is being produced by Leonardo DiCaprio's production company, Appian Way, along with Vision Tree and Avery Productions. It's a biopic about Bushnell, who started out life as pinball machine repairman, went on to found one of the most iconic video game console brands. Like I said, I don't know anything about Bitcoin. Cryptocurrency sounds to me like a scam, frankly. The currency we got, I mean, you know, inflation aside... And all that, I, I think we're pretty secure. I know there are debates about currency backed by gold versus currency backed by what uh, other stuff, blah blah blah. Um, fact remains, the currency we got is pretty much fine. Our issues with how it's distributed, wealth disparities, and uh, the one percenters versus the rest of us, uh, and all of that, which none of which is really a topic for an Atari story podcast. I'm not going to run out and buy any blockchain, Bitcoin, whatever's for the Satari movie, I will happily go see the movie, which I'll pay for with conventional currency once it comes out, if it comes out, which is a good question. What happens if the production company, if you know, Leo DiCaprio says, boy, I don't know, this movie isn't going the way I thought, and just pulls the plug. What happens to all those Bitcoins that these people bought? They pretty much become worthless at that point, and you're out your money. Sorry. If any of you know more about cryptocurrency than I do and can summarize for me in like a paragraph why this is a good idea, I don't need a whole treatise on the merits of cryptocurrency. I'm telling you right now, I'm not going to read it. But if you can tell me like a paragraph why this production company really is on the cusp of uh, some sort of new funding source and why this isn't a scam, let me know. If you have any thoughts on this Nolan Bushnell biopic, also let me know that. Alright, I got one more newsy item 
This is actually kind of old news by now, but uh, frankly, I forgot to mention it on last week's episode. Harry Anderson died. Any of you who cares about that probably know already, but I wanted to take a moment to uh, remember Harry. He was 65. He died in North Carolina on April 16th, uh, apparently of uh, non-suspicious causes, uh, evidently, you know, natural causes. He was an actor and writer. I don't know what he wrote, but he was an actor best known uh, for Night Court, of course, uh, the 1980s TV series where he played an unconventional judge. As I recall, he was supposed to be the youngest judge appointed to the uh, Superior Court in New York. Uh, He was in the Stephen King TV miniseries in 1990, It!, uh, he was also in Tales from the Crypt. Married a couple of times, it sounds like. I remember first seeing him on a season one episode of Cheers. He played Harry the Hat, a uh, fedora-wearing con man. Harry Anderson was originally a magician, and his magic skills, he worked into his characters as Harry the Hat on Cheers. He had a recurring role for a while, uh, and then Harry Anderson on the uh, Night Court. I think he was actually Harry T. Stone was his character. Uh, who also did magic. And as I understand it, he uh, in his later years, more recently, he has obviously been acting very much, I don't think since the 90s. After uh, Night Court, he did a series called Dave's World, which was based on the columnist Dave Barry. Uh, it was a version of Dave Barry's life. And since that series ended, I don't think he acted a whole lot, but he apparently did travel doing magic shows. I'm looking at a bio here. Also, he apparently had a nightclub in the French Quarter of New Orleans called Oswald Speakeasy and often performed there as well. He also owns a, st- a store in New Orleans called Sideshow. So yeah, so he has some investments and some business and things, businesses and things. So, you know, it's easy to assume when an actor leaves a show and you don't really hear much from him on TV or in movies that, you know, they must have failed or something. But he apparently was doing okay. He had his magic act, he had his businesses. You know, I'm sorry we didn't see him much more on TV in later years. I always thought he was a personable, funny guy, uh, clever with his magic. I actually, the day that he died, and I heard about it, I actually sat down and watched the uh, Cheers episode with Harry the Hat. It's a really good episode, actually. He uh, helps the uh, Cheers gang get back in another con man in a rigged poker game. Um, it's really good. You should watch it. Cheers is a good show, too. I'm going to start a Cheers rewatch here pretty soon. But that's not really what we're here to talk about on Atari Bytes. So I just wanted to take a minute to remember Harry Anderson. Uh, encourage you guys to go watch Night Court. Watch some Cheers. Um, do some magic. What the heck? Make the family pet disappear. You know, whatever. Um, if Fido really does disappear, I'll deny knowing anything. All right, let's get on to this week's game. This week's game is... Wait, my page is blank. Where's this week's game? Come on, I'm busy. Where is this week's game? Wait, what? I'm being handed a note. What do you mean there's no game this week? That's right. We're not playing a game this week. We're going to the movies. Let's go to the 
Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. So the Rampage movie came out, as I said earlier. Um, a couple weeks ago on the show, we played Rampage, the 1986 arcade game. Uh, we played the 7800 port of that. Last week at Midwest Gaming Conference in Milwaukee, I actually got to meet Brian Tolan, one of the uh, designers for Rampage. And he has been re- uh, busy recently promoting the release of the Rampage movie, which I was confused because it seemed like everything I read said it was coming out August 20th. But then, all of a sudden, I started hearing about it being at the theaters on August 13th. So I don't know what was going on there. But at any rate, it is now definitely in theaters. Because I have seen it uh, a week after it came out. You're hearing this episode. If you're listening to it when it drops, you're listening to it more than two weeks since it came out. But this uh, Sunday, as I'm recording, was the first opportunity. My occasional co-host, Henry, my eight-year-old son, and I had a chance to go see it. So we did. So I thought... I mean, we don't usually talk about movies in depth on this podcast, but this seemed like, um, while not an Atari movie per se, you know, it, it's based on an arcade game, which just happened to be ported to the Atari. It is still a video game movie with a plot and its characters and story. And this podcast is all about finding or making up the plot and characters and story in video games. So it seemed like uh, natural that I would take some time to talk about this movie. So that's what we're doing. I will warn you, my discussion with you all in this podcast and with Henry in the field report, you're going to hear it later, is big time spoilery. I don't know that I'll necessarily talk about how it ends, but I am not going to ignore plot points or story beats or things like that in my discussion. So... If you're worried about being spoiled for the movie because you haven't seen it yet, maybe hold on to the rest of this episode before you hold off listening to it before you until after you see the movie. Having said that, I've said having said that several times now. Having said that, ding, I should play a drinking game with myself. Every time I say having said that, I take a shot of bourbon. That would be awesome. I may just do that anyway. Anyway, I. Uh, I'll hold off till I'm done recording. You know, having blown the spoiler horn, as it were, keep in mind, this is a big, loud action movie where a giant gorilla and a giant wolf and a giant lizard, uh, in this case a crocodile, smash buildings. I'm probably not really giving anything away that you couldn't predict. This is sort of jumping ahead to my review. They're not breaking a whole lot of new ground here. This is pretty much the typical disaster movie monster movie kind of thing. But if you're worried about spoilers, maybe stop listening now and go check out uh, Pie Factory or Atari uh, 7800 Homebrew podcast or Atari 2600 Game by Game podcast or, uh, oh, I don't know, it's a podcast, Charlie Brown. 
learn something about Snoopy and Charlie Brown. You know, whatever tickles your fancy. Or you could go talk to your family. That's an idea. Uh, but, you know, you do you. You choose how to spend this time. Uh, and then once you've seen the movie, come back and listen to the rest of this episode. Uh, here, I will uh, pause for a moment to give you uh, time to skedaddle. gone? So what do you really think of Bob and Becky and Susie, who just left the room? I'm just kidding. I pause here dramatically while I take a sip of my beverage. As I said, Rampage the movie came out this month, April, as this episode is coming out. It was directed by Brad Payton, based uh, loosely on the video game series of the same name by Midway Games. I mentioned earlier Brian Tolan was one of the developers of Rampage. I keep forgetting to mention that there are other Rampage games beyond the original, uh, which we played a couple weeks ago on the show, uh, and the premise of which is basically humans have been, before the game starts, these three humans have been turned into, respectively, a giant gorilla named George, a lizard named Lizzie, and a wolf named Ralph, and they are laying waste to various cities in Illinois. Uh, Kankakee, I think. Kankakee. Kankakee. Well, it's really late. I'm tired. I think I'm saying that right. Chicago, I think. Proper. And uh, I think there's another. There's other cities too. Doesn't matter. Uh, and basically the game is you're playing as these one of these three monsters. Climbing these buildings and smashing them. And eating the various soldiers and you know inhabitants of these cities. While the soldiers try to defeat you. If you run out of health, you shrink back into... Uh, a regular human again. Uh, it's a very cartoony, really addictively fun game. The arcade version, of course, is the most fun. Uh, it's got the, the the best graphics, the most uh, fun detail to it. The seven eight hundred port, uh, I will say, and I did say, I think, on the episode, I'm very happy with. I really like playing it. There are other versions as well, but I talked about all that in the in the podcast a couple weeks ago. The film uh, stars Dwayne Johnson, formerly The Rock. He's kind of an interesting guy. Uh, a, a moment for Dwayne Johnson, I guess. Of course, uh, he was The Rock, the wrestler, for a long time. Rose to uh, stardom, as it were, uh, on the professional wrestling circuit as The Rock. Uh, kind of broke into movies um, as The Rock. Uh, you know, Having small parts and gradually bigger parts, he uh, sort of morphed into Dwayne The Rock Johnson is how he was credited in movies after a while. Uh, and now he's kind of moved even farther along. And he is now just Dwayne Johnson. Uh, and he carries a lot of movies on his own. Mostly these big action movies. I think he had a series maybe on HBO. He's done some comedies too. Um, I remember my kids and I have watched The Tooth Fairy, where he played a football player who turns into The Tooth Fairy. Yes, Someone really pitched that idea, and Hollywood actually made that movie. And sometimes I wonder why I haven't had more publishing success. Anyway, that's a topic for another time. So Dwayne Johnson is in roughly 74% of all movies made today. It's so bad that in the previews before the movie today, uh, before Rampage starring Dwayne Johnson, one of the previews was for another movie starring Dwayne Johnson. So, yeah, the guy's a busy dude. The 
female lead in the movie, although frankly she doesn't have a whole lot to do, uh, is Naomi Johnson. Joe Manganiello uh, plays a soldier. Jeffrey Dean Morgan is sort of this scenery-chewing, you know, Texas cowboy kind of shadowy government agent. Dwayne Johnson plays a primatologist. He is, of course, not just a primatologist. He's also a special, uh, former special forces operative. So he's got all sorts of uh, gun skills and fighting skills and all that kind of stuff. But now he's a primatologist in California. He's got, uh, he is sort of bonded with an albino gorilla. They speak to each other in sign language, play jokes on each other, uh, including a joke involving giving the middle finger to each other, which prompted me, the dad, to have a conversation with my eight-year-old son about how he should please, please, please not mention that when he tells his friends about the movie tomorrow at school, because I don't want to get that phone call. Uh, I'm not worried about the phone call from school. I'm worried about the phone call from his mother yelling at me about letting him see this movie. So, uh, the point is, he's bonded with this gorilla, and of course you know that means that something bad is going to happen. But I digress. They started shooting this evidently in Chicago uh, a year ago, April 2017. If any of you from Chicago happen to see any of the filming, I'd be curious to hear about that. Warner Brothers Pictures and New Line Cinema released the movie in 2D, real 3D, and IMAX 3D. We did not watch the IMAX version, but we did watch it in 3D, which was cool. It, it has grossed as of, I don't know when this article is updated, but it had grossed uh, as of when this article was written, $283 million worldwide, making it, as of that moment, the ninth highest grossing film of 2018. They say that it got mixed reviews from critics who praised Johnson and Morgan's performances and the visual effects and disapprove of the writing and faithlessness to the source material. I guess I'll talk about that later. The Tomato Meter on Rotten Tomatoes gives it a 50% fresh rating. They say the critics' consensus is that Rampage isn't as fun as its source material, but the movie's sheer button-mashing abandon might satisfy audiences in the mood for a brainless blockbuster. The average audience rating was 4.2 out of 5. Proving, uh, and I guess I'll talk about that later too, this kind of movie, audiences tend to be better entertained, more entertained than critics are. I will mention this uh, line from a review. It's aggressively dumb, and I'd feel safe in the assumption that everyone was in on the joke if it weren't for the absence of any good ones. Ouch. For what it's worth, Henry and I saw a matinee on a Sunday afternoon. Here, you know, like I said, only a week after it came out. Theater was pretty empty. Now, to be fair, there were the non-3D ver- options, and the, what is it, the real 3D IMAX... Uh, tickle your toes, feed your grapes, pat your butt, and call you Shirley ticket options too. So I assume that there were other people in the building watching Rampage today. But there were maybe 10 people in the theater uh, in the, uh, the show that we saw, which was good actually because uh, Henry, not being a particularly good whisperer, kept making comments to me, uh, especially in the climatic scenes at the end. Uh, So there were not as many people to annoy, and that was probably good for us. In doing research on this movie... (laughs) Research. That's funny. Anyway, I came upon an article on the Atari Times website called Atari on Film. This was a while ago. This article was written in 97. Just pointing out different times that Atari games have appeared on film. 
one of them was a, uh, an airplane where some extras are seen playing uh, 2600 basketball toward the end of the movie when they're supposed to be being air traffic controllers. Similar thing in Airplane 2, the sequel, in a movie called Best Friends. Blade Runner has a shot of the Atari logo. Cannonball Run 2 has a shot of Pac-Man. Jackie Chan plays Atari VCS Pac-Man about five minutes before the movie ends. Child's Play 3 has a shot. Cloak and Dagger, of course. I want to do a Cloak and Dagger episode at some point. But, of course, an Atari 5200 cartridge called Cloak and Dagger features prominently in that movie. Um, there was actually supposed to be a Cloak and Dagger game made. There's apparently a prototype out there somewhere. Yeah, I, I want to do an episode on that at some point. So on and on and on. I've only gotten up to the C's, but you get the idea. Go to AtariTimes.com. Check, check out that article. I also saw something. I don't know where the article is right now, but it seems like in 2016 there were Missile Command and Centipede movie development deals announced, and I'm wondering what happened to those. Board games have been produced for both those games since then. Of course, there was the five-issue comic book series for Centipede, but no movies so far, and I haven't heard Boo about there being any movies. So if any of you guys know any more about that than I do, let me know. All right, well, again, we're not here to talk about Missile Command, although I could. It's one of my favorite games. We're here to talk about Rampage. So I think we should do that thing. After the break, Godzilla, King Kong, The Blob, the Killer Tomatoes, the Lepas, meaning rabbits, in Night of the Lepas, and now joining the pantheon of great monster movies, we have La La Land. Whoops, sorry. I mean, we have Rampage. But an Atari homebrew of La La Land would be pretty sweet. 8-bit Ryan Gosling. Oh yeah. So Henry and I got back from seeing Rampage the movie a little while ago. What'd you think, Henry? It was good. What did you like about it? Big giant ape. Yes, beat up a little bit. Big giant ape! Big giant ape. Uh, what was the ape's name? George Peoples! Was George a good name for the ape? I don't know. What, what would you name him? Billy Bob Butt Jr. Okay. I think it's probably better they went with George. No. Mine is better. Um, did you think Dwayne Johnson was a good hero for the movie? Eh. Eh. Do you even know who Dwayne Johnson is? Yeah. Yeah? He's a person. Oh, I know he's a person. Have you seen him in anything before? Yeah. Like what? The movie you just watched. <laughs> I meant before that, goofball. And books about him and his wrestling career. Yeah, you read about him, his wrestling, when he was The Rock. Johnson. Yeah, we also saw him in uh, The Tooth Fairy. Which oh, was, now. Which was a different kind of movie. Oh, yeah. Remember where he's the football player? He turns into The Tooth Fairy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a different kind of movie. So, what was your favorite part of the movie? The part where the whole space station in space blew up. Yeah, there's a whole sequence where uh, that starts the movie where the space station explodes and, and then the all the... And the person inside to take the time capsule and then the time capsule explodes because the creature inside the space station 
local grassland when the person was in the Earth's atmosphere. Um, the 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 heat from the atmosphere's Earth broke the rest of the glass and well blew up. Can you kind of summarize the movie for us? No. Basically, what happens in the movie? There's a lot of stuff that blows up. Yeah, so the animals get big, and then uh, they smash a lot of buildings. And then George, the big giant white ape, uh-huh. fakes his death and has this big and has like this big weird and has this like big funny fist bump thing where and George, the big giant white ape, and um. Dwayne the Rock Johnson um, try, goes and fist bump each other and then um and then um 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 George the big guy gorilla um 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 fixed up the middle finger at the last second yeah there were some parts that maybe weren't totally appropriate for kids and this uh, big bad sign language thing for a bit, for a bad word. Yeah, so we talked about how maybe you don't want to, when you tell your friends about the movie, maybe you want to skip the part where he gives them the finger. They don't really listen to any movies. <laughs> well, they listen and watch movies, but they don't really listen to people talk about movies. So one thing that bothered me was how they said the wolf could fly, but we didn't really ever get to see him fly. Yeah, and when... Dwayne, or the uh, or Dave, Davis in the movie. Yeah, his um, name was Davis in the movie. Saw the wolf fly. He was like, okay, now the wolf flies. Yeah, so then you think you're going to get a bunch of cool scenes of this giant wolf flying, but then he just gets killed right after that. No, he gets killed at the second time. Yeah. He's daddy. So that was kind of, sorry. So that was kind of disappointing. Um. Yeah, and then Davis was that. Uh, um, it was like, great, now we'll fly. Now it's a deal with the flying wolf. Yeah, there weren't a lot of people at the movie today when we went, were there? No, because everybody's th- scared of having nightmares after it. You think that's what it is? Yeah. Are you going to have nightmares, do you think? Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Sorry. Don't turn me in for bad parenting, people. Um. <laughs> so... What did you think of uh, what did you think of the bad guys, the uh, people at that big company, Energine? Energine. 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 Yeah. Whatever. What did you think of them? Well, one of them both they both got killed. One of them um 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 one of them got ate by the big giant alligator. Yep. And another one got well. He was set free, and then he died because the big rock fell on him. Yeah, do you think that that government guy knew he was going to get killed when he let him go? He acted like it. Yeah, he said, here, just give me your computer with all the evidence on it, and you can go. And then the bad guy walked outside and got crushed by that big square thing. It's a big, giant uh, piece of building. Yeah. That was because weird. Because the energy building yeah. collapsed. Energy building collapsed. Yeah. Did you notice in the bad guy's office, they had a Rampage arcade cabinet? Yeah. That was kind of cool. Yeah. We played Rampage before. The game. Do you like the game? Yeah. Yeah.
do you think that this movie was a good version of the game? No, it was no? better. It was better? In the, in the game... You just had to sit and watch the people do stuff. Yeah, you, like, you just like to watch people do stuff. Yeah. In the game... I don't want to watch people lose. In the like game, you. you're, playing, you're playing as At the tag. monsters. <sighs> no, you're playing the big white ape. Well, yeah, in the game you can be Which the... Which is... He... A good ape, but... Thanks to these crazy people who don't know what they're doing... Made him... Made him... Go... Go bigger... Fa go faster... Go more aggressive and all that stuff. Yep. I mean, um, and almost... The story has to say because of the biggest bomb in the arsenal. Yeah, so... And it might be here for a couple hours so I can explain the whole thing. Can you explain it in like 30 seconds? No. <laughs> no, you need it's a couple like hours? It's like a two and a half hour movie. I'm going to explain it in 30 long. seconds. It was less than two hours. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, like two minutes. So, if that movie comes out in DVD or, or on TV or something, would you watch it again? Yes. Yeah, and I watch it until and I watch it until I'm old enough to move out of the house. All right, so and I probably well, I don't know. So if you had to rank this movie, like uh, Rampage, one, one to ten. Yeah, okay, one to ten. I would pick about two million. Two million? Mm-hmm. Wow. One to ten. That's pretty impressive. You must have really liked this movie. Sophie was said negative two. Yeah, Sophie didn't go. She uh, was not interested in this movie. Yeah, she's wrong. I would probably give the movie about, uh, give it a six. What? <laughs> well, I mean, it, 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 that's still a good rating. No, I still it's not. Liked it. Two million is better. Two million is better. All right. Uh, Henry gives it two million. I give it about a six. Yeah, because he's wrong. This has been... Bill and Henry review the movies. Back What's up, dude? That's what's up. Back, back to you in the oh, studio. Oh, um, no. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, oh, go on. Um, so when you're waiting for Mom to pick, to pick us up, I put me and Dad, Daddy played a game of tag, and I'm on my one. Well, we should probably explain that, Henry, because we're, because uh, that sounds a little strange. So yeah. before the movie, of course, there were previews for other movies, and one of them was for a movie called Tag. About these guys who are probably about my age. Who were playing tag for 30 years. Who have been playing tag then, for 30 and years. And then this person collapsed one of the, like, tackle around with people at a wedding. At a wedding. And I was like, it's a wedding person, you crazy person. Not a tackle football field. Yep. And then this one time, this person playing tag for 30 years ended up in the hospital. Well, we're not reviewing that movie. I'm just explaining to them that that's why we were playing tag. So, this has been Bill and Henry review the movies. Back to you. Oh wait! I also tape, I also um um how are you on another tape? It's gonna end in ten minutes. At, when it hits ten minutes, it's gonna end. I also beat him in the car. Yes, Henry beat me What's to the car. What's up, dude? What's up? Back to you in the studio. So yeah, that was Henry's take on the movie. A bit of explanation. I was using, uh, because I'm cheap, 
a free app on my phone to record that conversation. And the app that I was using had a 10-minute time limit. And we were approaching the 10 minutes at the end of the conversation, and I was trying to hurry him up. So that's what I was saying. I'm going to run out of tape because I didn't really want to continue the recording. He was already talking about some other movie by that point, so he clearly was done talking about Rampage. So that's what I was trying to do. I was trying to move him along. He didn't understand what I meant by running out of tape. Last night, I had a conversation with the kids about video cassettes. We were watching a movie from the 80s, Spaceballs, actually. We were watching Spaceballs, and there's a joke in there about how the bad guys are going to figure out what to do by watching the Spaceballs movie. You have to see the movie to understand that. But my kids were confused about what VCS, VHS tapes were. So I was trying to explain it to my kids who've never seen a VHS tape. And thinking I was being helpful, I tried comparing it first to an audio cassette. So then my daughter's like, what's an audio cassette? And I suddenly felt very, very old. So anyway, that was what was going on there. Here's the thing about Rampage the movie. Did we need this movie? With so much pop culture of all kinds, books, music, TV, film, why do we take a, feel the need uh, to take a thing that works great in one medium and turn it into some other medium? Uh, I mean, on TV, we're in a, a, a golden age, I guess, of taking old TV shows and making them into new TV shows. Roseanne, Will and Grace, MacGyver, Magnum P.I.'s coming back. On and on and on. What's the one? Full House has got new life on Netflix. I heard recently that even though for decades, literally, Jerry Seinfeld has been saying, now we're not doing any more Seinfeld. And he apparently recently, he didn't say they were doing it, but he recently conceded that, yeah, maybe they could do it. So, you know, we're bringing old stuff back all the time. And I guess maybe that's not exactly what I'm talking about here. Rampage is a great arcade game. And it's a fun Atari game. Um, the, the original Rampage. I'm sure the other ones are fun too. I can't speak to those because I really haven't played them. Maybe it doesn't need to be a movie. But it is. You know, even its origins aside, we've had a lot of movies about irradiated monsters smashing things. You got King Kong, Godzilla. There were a string of bad movies in the 70s. Uh, there was one about spiders. There was one about killer bees. Um, way back, like 20 years ago, I got on a kick of watching some of those. Uh, Attack of the Spiders, or Night of the Spiders, or whatever it was called. And there was one that was called Killer Bees. And, and of course, Godzilla's been made and remade, I don't know how many times. So, I don't know that we needed uh, another, or, or any, Rampage movie. Uh, besides that, we've already had the best giant irradiated monster movie ever. A little thing from 1972 called Night of the Leapers. What happened that night science made its greatest mistake? What unknown terror was born that night? What is the terrifying mutant that strikes from behind the shroud of night? 
Night of the Leapers. A night of total terror. More shattering than your strangest nightmare. What caused the unnatural death, destruction, and panic? That night of the Leapers. Janet Lee. Stuart Whitman. Rory Calhoun and Paul Fix. Night of the Leavis. Kill one and thousands take their place. What devil creatures growing weight and size every day are hidden behind the eyes of horror? What can stop them? Night of the Leapers. From MGM. Night of the Leapers. On paper? Well, I'll take that back. I was going to say on paper, it probably sounded like the best movie idea ever. But, I no, it didn't. It was probably a stupid idea on paper, too. The plot of the movie is these ranchers, I don't know, in Texas, I guess, are their ranches are being overrun with bunnies, I guess, eating their grass. And then they can't feed their cows. So the government comes up with this plan to mess with the breeding cycle of these rabbits. Uh, right? You mess with the breeding cycle, you don't have as many rabbits. Because uh, as we all know, rabbits are pretty good at breeding. But something goes horribly wrong. And instead of messing with their breeding cycle, it makes the rabbits grow really, really big. And they start terrorizing this town. Now, this was 1972. The graphics, not quite what we got with Rampage in 2018. So, you know, cut them some slack for that. But beyond that, what you get is a movie of a lot of people running for their lives, screaming in terror, cut to just a, a fluffy little bunny, just some video of a fluffy little bunny, you know, standing next to uh, a, a model, a scale model of somebody's house, right? So it's supposed to look like the bunny is as big as the house. But the bunny's just sitting there, you know, wrinkling its little nose, not looking aggressive at all. Uh, so you get these shots of these bunnies kind of hopping around and cut to people screaming in terror. Uh, and then the bunnies attack them, which means basically it's the same bunny, with the same expression on its face, just with the little fake movie blood splattered on them. Yeah, it's pretty awful. I usually watch it every Halloween because it's, it's just that bad. Rampage, better than that. Uh, in fact, I enjoyed this movie more than I probably should have today. The reviews... Like I said, one said that the movie got mixed reviews. They're not really mixed. The ones I read, they all pretty much say the same thing. Bad dialogue, stupid plot, lowest common denominator, movie. The rating that they give based on that review depends on whether or not the reviewer is in on the joke, is up for this kind of thing. If this is a reviewer who clearly prefers cinema to popcorn movies, then all these things they just said make uh, translate into this being a terrible movie. If the reviewer is clearly someone who is perfectly happy to blow a couple hours munching popcorn and watching monsters smash buildings, then all that stuff I just said becomes part of its charm, right? No, there are no surprises in this movie. The dialogue is, you know, disaster movie dialogue. They check all the boxes. Dwayne Johnson is a noble 
guy working an ordinary job who just happens to have been an ex-Special Forces agent. Check. He's a lonely, loner guy who's never going to find love, except then he gets teamed up with the hot woman uh, and sparks fly. Check. He has a goofy sidekick who's idolizes him, but is never going to be as cool as him. Check. I don't remember the character's name, but the setup of the movie, the start of the movie, has that character in it. But then as soon as stuff starts to fly, that character is just gone. I don't mean like he gets killed, because that sometimes happens in these movies too. He's just not in the movie anymore. You've got Dwayne Johnson bonding with the monster that's going to become the villain. One of them anyway, George. The other two monsters, the lizard and the wolf. The lizard gets lots of screen time. The wolf, not so much. In fact, we're told that he can fly. It's in the trailer, actually. So we're gonna, we're thinking, cool, we're going to see this giant wolf flying. And you do, for about four seconds. And then, here's the spoiler again. Giant lizard totally eats him. So that's all we get of the flying wolf. Flying wolf kills a lot of people along the way and smashes a lot of things. You know, don't get me wrong. You've got the cartoony uh, bad guy villains who, the reviews are correct, really aren't that interesting. They give the one, the brother, because it's a brother and sister who own this evil company that are responsible for messing with these animals. They give the brother, who's not fat at all, this weird character thing of always eating something. In one scene, it's a Pop-Tart. another scene, it's like a sandwich. And I forget about the scene after that. I'm not sure why they do that exactly, but they do. Oh, side note. The offices where these the evil uh, brother and sister work, you get a cameo of a Rampage arcade machine. So it's sort of meta. They actually call the project where they create this uh, this technique of, of editing genes, as, as they put it, that messes with the animals. They actually call it Project Rampage. So they know exactly what they're doing. And it's based on the 1986 game Rampage. So yeah, so you've got the, the uh, sort of snarky, evil scientists, cookie-cutter, noble, hero, sexy uh, sidekick, who is a scientist, but she doesn't get to do any science, really. She uses a refrigerator thermostat to hack into the computer grid at the, uh, at the evil scientist building. I guess that's cool sciencey stuff. But she doesn't get to manufacture the cure or anything. The cure's just there, and she picks it up. See, I told you, I'm spoiling everything. Who else do we have? We have uh, the soldier, the the army uh, general who isn't going to listen to Dwayne Johnson until he finally does decide to listen. We've got sort of the uh, the wise older, you know, sort of wise guy government agent who uh, you know doesn't play by the rules and, and figures out that Dwayne Johnson's the only one that can save the world. Blah blah blah. He's that sort of scenery chewing cowboy guy who played by the actor I can't remember now. So yeah, the point is, there are no, no surprises here. There's the climatic scene where George, the uh, the giant, now giant monster, still has a little bit of the old funny George who, who loves Dwayne Johnson and comes to rescue him from the, uh, from the lizard, even at the cost of his own life. Or is it? So that's all there. There is not a single beat in this story that you can't see coming. A reviewer who's on board with that is going to give it a good rating. A reviewer who's not on board with that is going to give it a bad rating. Your decision as a moviegoer is, are you on board with a movie like that? And I was. 
honestly, if I didn't do an Atari podcast, I probably wouldn't have spent the money to see this in the theater. Frankly, I probably would have waited to watch it at home, even though that wouldn't have been in 3D. I don't have a 3D TV. I would have waited for the video and watched it in 2D and probably would have enjoyed it just as much. 3D movies are fun to watch, and probably this kind of movie in particular, you know, the big action movies with lots of planes crashing and buildings falling and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, it is cool in 3D, but I, I wouldn't have spent the money otherwise. And my kid likes to go to 3D movies, so it was fun for him. I do have thoughts, though. You know, Having said, I knew I wasn't going to be surprised by anything in this movie, and I wasn't. But I was entertained, and I'll be honest here. There are some parts where it looks like George the gorilla is hurt, and they tell George's backstory about how he came to live with Dwayne Johnson and and all of that, and I do did kind of feel bad for him. I'm a sucker for the animal gets hurt being a dramatic beat in a movie. I'm one of those people totally. You can kill as many people as you want in a movie, but don't hurt the dog, for God's sakes. You know, that whole thing. So yeah, that did kind of, uh, I'll admit, that did kind of get me. I do have thoughts. I wonder if they could have taken different approaches that would have surprised me. One way they could have gone is kind of what the game is, right? The game is letting you play as the monster. Your point of view is that you're the good guy eating these soldiers and destroying these buildings. It would have been interesting to see a movie from the monster's perspective. They tried to do that a little bit. And I know it would be difficult. They tried to do a little bit with George, right? Because they let they made George able to sign, so he could uh, literally talk to Dwayne Johnson. So they kind of get to it that way. Uh, I don't know how else they would have done it, I guess, but it would have been interesting if they had told the whole movie. Yeah, I mean, most of the movie is Dwayne Johnson and the soldiers running around and the monsters coming at them. Maybe if we could have followed the monsters the whole time and seen the world from their perspective. I don't know how you would do it exactly, but that could have been interesting. The other thing they could have done, and some of the reviews kind of knocked the movie for this, is that it some some of its attempts at seriousness fall a little flat. I mean, because it's a disaster. It's written like a disaster movie, so it's not going to be it's not going to be written like a, a really serious drama. But they could have gone completely the other way. They could have made it a really campy, cheesy sort of. Uh, the thing that comes to mind is like Sharknado. Right, Sharknado is totally winking at the camera the whole time. It's just completely over the top. They could have done something like that, given the source material with Rampage. So that might have been fun too, but they didn't. They tried for a serious disaster flick. And like I said, if you don't expect to be surprised, you could be perfectly entertained. All right, I still have a few Junior Mints left in my box from the movie. This week's episode sponsored by Junior Mints. They're very refreshing. Oh, man. If I could work a deal where I read ads for Junior Mints on this podcast in exchange for, like, a lifetime supply of Junior Mints, how awesome would that be? Oh, man. Sorry. What was I talking about? Oh, yeah. So those are my thoughts about Rampage, the movie. If you have thoughts about Rampage, the movie, or about video games on film in general, let me know.
before we get out of here for this week, I do have one more piece of business. If you were listening to the podcast last week, you know that one of the things I did at Midwest Gaming Classic was I invited visitors to my table to fill out Mad Lib-style stories based on three well-known games, Pitfall, Space Invaders, uh, and Pac-Man. They could pick any of those they wanted, and there was a Mad Lib-style story there waiting for them, and they could fill it out with, uh, you know, fill in the blanks with the words of their choice, and then I promised to read some of those on the show, and out of those, I'm going to pick one to uh, win an Atari Bytes t-shirt. I read some on the show last week, I'm going to read some more this week, and then I'm going to announce who the winner is. All right? All right. Our first story is from Lord Daniel. It's a Pitfall story. Pitfall, the real story. Treasure hunter Pitfall Harry dreamed of finding Taffy, Yo-Yos, and Squid in the jungle. Rolling logs tried to crush him, and he was about to cross a galactic stream when three crocodiles surfaced. One said, where's the beef? Kids, go ask your parents. That's me, not the story. All right, then, Harry said, but instead skipped mightily across the stunned crack's head. On the other side of the stream, Harry scooped up a rancid gold bar and ran. He nearly fell into angelic quicksand, but grabbed a vine and swung to safety. Then he fell into an underground tunnel, landing next to a nauseating scorpion. The scorpion imploded. Harry clutched the gold bar and said, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. This week's episode sponsored by Beetlejuice. Then glued up a ladder. The enraged scorpion howled. Harry said, jam, or saw jam across a disappearing pond. The hunt continues. Very nice, Lord Daniel. Also, don't we think highly of ourselves? Our next story comes from Keith. This one is a Pac-Man story. Pac-Man, the real story. Pac-Man was voraciously hungry. His favorite thing to eat was raspberries. But that was hard to find, so he had to eat wafers instead. Off the ground, even. Pac-Man met four ghosts. Grumpy, indifferent, silly, and tired. Which kind of describes me by the end of Midwest Gaming Classic. Anyway, back to the story. The ghost just pointed. At the other end of the maze, Pac-Man saw a disenfranchised... Wow. If I had a prize for uh, fanciest word in these stories, that would probably win. Uh, Power pill. The ghost spent... Then ran. Pac-Man groaned. Must he always do this chase? Pac-Man was tired of running. He got an idea to consult the ghosts. Look, he said, pointing. It's a pen. Pac-Man gobbled the power pill and said, Tra-la-la, before running the other way, laughing. Spoon! Ghosts. I wonder if that's a tick reference. (laughs) We may never know. Next, from Brian, we have a Space Invaders, the real story. One day I was walking in a back alley... I looked up and saw flying dogs. They were looking at me. I said, ah, and hid behind a couch. In the alley? Ew. I wouldn't hide behind an alley couch. It's probably full of, you know, bugs and stuff. Invaders from space. What do they want? I'll bet they want Perina Puppy Chow. What should I do? I know. I'll throw a rock. The puppy invaders. Wait, what? Oh, that's right. They were flying dogs. Okay. The puppy invaders swarmed Earth nonstop. Duck after duck... Okay. Rained down on me. I couldn't hold out much longer. It was now or eventually. <laughs> I step up, stepped up and grabbed the fire extinguisher. It worked. 
Those puppy invaders from space barked and ran away from our planet. As they went, I shouted, Stop taking our ducks! Okay. Is this kind of a, a cross between space invaders and duck hunt reference? Is that what you're doing there, Brian? I got you figured out. Alright, now we have another pitfall story. This is from John. He writes, Treasure hunter Pitfall Harry dreamed of finding flowers, kittens, and utopia in the jungle. We all do, John. We all do. Rolling logs tried to crush him, and he was about to cross a data stream. <laughs> when three crocodiles surfaced, one said, Halt! All right, then, Harry said, but instead, skipped slowly across the stunned crocs' heads. On the other side of the stream, Harry scooped up a floppy gold bar and ran. He nearly fell into dry quicksand. Hmm. Sorry, defeats the purpose of quicksand, but okay. But grabbed a vine and swung to safety. Then he fell into an underground tunnel, landing next to a blue scorpion. The scorpion cried. Ah. Oh. Harry grabbed the go uh, Harry clutched the gold bar and said, "Ha ha!" Then jumped up a ladder. The enraged scorpion howled. Harry saw sunlight. Okay. Harry saw sunlight across a disappearing pond. The hunt continues. Then we get another pitfall story from Chris. Chris writes, Treasure hunter Pitfall Harry dreamed of finding butts, butts, and butts in the jungle. Alright. I think we know what we're in for this time. Rolling logs tried to crush him, and he was about to cross a smelly stream when three crocodiles surfaced. One said, Fart. Alright then, Harry said, but instead skipped stinkily. I don't think Chris is the first one to use stinkily as an adverb in these stories. Interesting. Across the stunned crocs' heads, on the other side of the stream, Harry scooped up a smelly gold bar and ran. I wonder how you'd make a gold bar smelly. Hmm. He nearly fell into smelly quicksand, but grabbed a vine and swung to safety. Then he fell into an underground tunnel, landing next to a smelly scorpion. The scorpion, fart. Harry clutched the gold bar and said, fart. Then, fart, up a ladder. The enraged scorpion howled. Harry saw butts across a disappearing pond. The hunt continues. Okay. And the award for, you know, the Penn Faulkner Literature Award goes to... I'm just kidding. That was a perfectly fine, stinky, smelly story. Next, we have another Pitfall story. This is from Nate. Nate writes, Treasure hunter Pitfall Harry dreamed of finding brats, brews, and bingo in the jungle. Once again, Nate... We all do. Rolling logs tried to crush him, and he was about to cross a ravenous stream? I'm not sure. When three crocodiles surfaced, one said, Read something. I'm sorry, Nate, I can't make that up. All right, then, Harry said, but instead skipped joyfully across the stunned crocs' heads. On the other side of the stream, Harry scooped up a chipped gold bar and ran. He nearly fell into something, quicksand, but grabbed a vine and swung to safety. Then he fell into an underground tunnel, landing next to a... Uh, some kind of scorpion. The scorpion lunged. Harry clutched the gold bar and said, Don't pilfer my surplus labor. I feel like that's a phrase from something. It's a very specific set of words. Don't pilfer my surplus labor. If any of you know where that's from, let me know. Then, stomped up a ladder. The enraged scorpion howled. Harry said, Harry saw George Burns. All right. Across a disappearing pond. The hunt continues. All right. Thank you, Nate. Alright, next we have a story from Sarah. This is a Space Invaders, the real story. One day I was walking in a dandy plaza. 
I looked up and saw, I know what this is, but I don't know how to pronounce it. Thulu? Chithulu? You all know what I'm talking about, and I'm sure I'm butchering it. They were dancing at me. I said, wowza. Sarah, that may be my favorite word to appear in these stories to date. Wowza. And hid behind a dog. Man, I think somebody else hid behind a dog, too. Invaders from space, what could they want? I'll bet they'll want Twinkies. <laughs> uh, I'm laughing because I just noticed she put the little trademark symbol above Twinkies. That's pretty awesome. Bonus points for doing that. That's cool. What should I do? I know, I'll snap. The splendiferous invaders cried, Earth nonstop. Chair after floppy disk rained down on me. I couldn't hold out much longer. It was now or now. <laughs> I stepped up and did the truffle shuffle. If any of you know how, knows how to do the truffle shuffle, send me a little video. It worked. Those jolly invaders from space coughed and ran away from our planet. As they went, I shouted, Zoinks, Scoob! That was my spot-on shaggy impression from Scooby-Doo. That is an awesome collection of words there, Sarah. Well done, you. Next, we have a Pac-Man story from Mark. Pac-Man, the real story. Pac-Man was cheesy hungry. His favorite thing to eat was shoes, but that was hard to find, so he had to eat wafers instead, off the ground even. Pac-Man met four ghosts named Earl, Sally, Morton, and Felicia. He asked what they were doing. The ghost just pointed. The other end of the maze, Pac-Man saw a quick power pill. The ghost jumped, then ran. Pac-Man groaned. Must he always do this chase? Pac-Man was tired of running. He got an idea to sleep. The ghost. Also not the first one to get that idea. I know somebody else were, uh, sleeped. To use their words, the ghosts. Look, he said, pointing, it's Dragon. Pac-Man gobbled the power pill and said, oh, great. Before running the other way, laughing. I'm dead tired, ghosts. All right. Thanks, uh, Mark. Well done. All right, we got three more. And then... We announced the winner. Space Invader story this time, from Jesse. One day I was walking in a hairy Mars. Okay. I looked up and saw a car. They were running at me. I said, I'll be back, and hid behind a 7800 game. Wow. No offense, Jesse, but you must be really short. Invaders from space, what could they want? I'll bet they want cheese. Okay. What should I do? I know. I'll curse. Okay. The froze invaders kick Earth nonstop. Comb after cats. That's my new phrase ever. Comb after cats. Rain down on me. I couldn't hold out much longer. It was now or potato. I stepped up and gasped. The police officer. I stepped up and gasped. The police officer. Okay. It worked. I guess. Those simple invaders from space tased and ran away from our planet. As they went, I shouted, Nice to meet you! Well, very polite, uh, you know, repulsion of the invasion force. Well done. And, you know, courteous about it, too. We have another fart-inspired story. There have been a lot of gastrointestinal-inspired stories in this little experiment of mine. I don't know what that says about my, you know, Mad Lips writing style, or the attendees at MGC in 2018, but, uh, yeah. So here's another one. Darla writes, Patman was stinky hungry. His favorite thing to eat was Lewis. 
but that was hard to find. So he had to eat wafers instead, off the ground even. Pac-Man met four amazing ghosts named Finley, Bren, Bryn, Darla, and Sophia. He asked what they were doing. The ghost just pointed. At the other end of the maze, Pac-Man saw a cute power pill. The ghost barked, then ran. Pac-Man groaned. Must he always do this chase? Pac-Man was tired of running. He got an idea to cook the ghost. Ew. Look, he said, pointing. It's a lollipop. Pac-Man grabbed the power pill and said, I will get you, before running the other way, laughing. Close the door when you go to the bathroom. I, I can't say much. It is good advice. Okay, thank you, Darla. And finally, we have Jason's story, Pitfall, the real story. Treasure hunter Pitfall Harry dreamed of finding the lost diamond in the jungle. Rolling logs tried to crush him, and he was about to cross a wide stream when three crocodiles surfaced. One said, get him! All right then, Harry said, but instead skipped far across the stunned crocs' heads. On the other side of the stream, Harry scooped up a bright gold bar and ran. He nearly fell into sticky quicksand, but grabbed a vine and swung to safety. Then he fell into an underground tunnel, landing next to a huge scorpion. The scorpion scurried. Harry clutched the gold bar and said, I'm out of here. Then climbed up a ladder. The enraged scorpion howled. Harry saw Anna across a disappearing pond. The hunt continues. The nice thing about that story is, he introduces this element, this this perhaps a little bit of backstory for Pitfall Harry, seeing Anna across the pond. We don't know who Anna is. Hannah could be an enemy. Hannah could be his wife, could be a relative, could be someone who's been dead for 50 years. We don't know who Anna is. It's just an intriguing little character thing for Pitfall Harry. Well done. All right. Well, that's the stack of Mad Libs that I pulled out to read. I will now put that with the stack from the last episode and choose a winner of the Atari Bytes t-shirt. I should mention the Atari Bytes shirt that I'm talking about is not one of the ones on the Atari Bytes store, ab underscore pod underscore store at zazzle.com. It is the shirt that I was wearing at the Midwest Gaming Classic. No, no, not the exact same one I was wearing. That would be weird but is a shirt like the one I was wearing at Midwest Gaming Classic. Says, uh, has the Atari Bytes logo on the front, says uh, on the back, go play some old games, they've missed you. Uh, they're nice shirts. Um, a welcome addition, I think, to anybody's wardrobe. So, who is it going to be? Who will the winner be? I am shuffling, going through the stack of wonderful fart-inspired stories that we have here. Let's see. While I'm shuffling, I want to thank everyone for submitting their Mad Libs. I mean, this is going to be the end of the contest, and this was sort of a Midwest Gaming Classic thing, but if any of you is inspired to write any uh, stories based on what I've done on the podcast, or a poem, or a limerick, try to keep it reasonably clean, but if you're inspired to write that and you want to share it with the other listeners to the show, send it to me, and uh, maybe I'll play it on the show. Uh, you can even make up your own Mad Libs if you want. You know, just have fun with it and uh, share it with me. We like to find the stories in the games, so uh, maybe you guys could do some of that too. Alright, I am looking. Uh-huh. And the winner is... 
Sarah, Space Invaders, the real story. Basically, here's why. She put a trademark symbol on Twinkies. How cool is that? Also, how can I pass up a story with both Wowza and Splendiferous in it? So, congratulations, Sarah. I will be contacting you soon to find out where I should send your prized Atari Bice t-shirt. Thanks, everybody, for playing. Like I said, this inspires you to write more fiction, Atari Bytes fiction, based on what I've been doing. Please do. I look forward to reading or hearing what you come up with. All right. With that, I think that's our show. Uh, it feels like I should have some sort of game show-ish end theme there or something, but I don't. So instead, I'll just say uh, that's our show. My thanks to Kevin McLeod and Incompetech.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs, Reformat, Take a Chance, and Pinball Spring. You can find Atari Bytes on many podcatchers, including Stitcher, iHeartRadio. Is iHeartRadio still a thing? I don't know. But point is, you can find it on Stitcher, you can find it on Apple Podcasts, you know, iTunes, whatever they're calling it now. Lots of different places. Wherever you do get your podcast, though, make sure you find your way through the rubble of Chicago uh, as a giant lizard breathes down your neck to uh, leave a review at iTunes. If you need to, ask George the Gorilla to clear the way for you so that you can help other people, like perhaps Dwayne Johnson, find the podcast. makes me feel good. It makes Dwayne Johnson flash his winning smile. So please consider doing that. You can also support the show financially at the Atari Bytes Patreon page, which I hope you will consider doing. You know, feeding George the 30-foot-tall gorilla ain't cheap. So any help you can give me with that would be greatly appreciated. You can also pick up other Atari Bytes shirts, go play some old games, shirts, mugs, that kind of thing, at our Zazzle.com store, AB underscore pod underscore store. Links to all of that in the show notes. Our website is ataribytes.libsyn.com. You can email the show at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. You can like the Atari Bytes Facebook page. You can follow the show on Twitter at Atari Bytes. Or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. You can also check out the weirdness that I occasionally post on Instagram on the Atari Bytes page there. And also don't forget to check out my other show, It's a Podcast, Charlie Brown, for all of your Peanuts-related needs. Want to talk about the animated specials? We do it. You want to talk about the comic strips? You got it. Anything you want to know about Charlie Brown, Snoopy, Peppermint Patty, Charles Schultz, whatever it is, we cover it all right there every month on the 15th. Go check out It's a Podcast, Charlie Brown. And remember, guys, be telling your friends about these shows. If you like what I do here at Atari Bytes, if you like what I do at It's a Podcast, Charlie Brown, leave a review, absolutely. But uh, also make sure to tell your friends to check it out as well. All right. All that's left is to tell you what's coming up next week on the show. Next week, we're finally back to playing some games and making up some stories on the podcast. We've got a game called Sorcerer. Sounds like we'll have a magical time. So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you.
Oh, 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 oh,